All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I am Screwhead Dan. And I'm Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect, dismember, and discuss a horror movie that we have chosen and kind of delve on into it, uh, celebrating horror culture in general. Andrew, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. So I was going to be deployed from my job to Canada. I currently live in the United States, but uh, they canceled that and made it remote because of this little thing going around called COVID. You may have heard of it. Yeah, I've heard you might also have tried to take over their capital if you went there, so that may have also been a risk. Did you know that that was on my birthday? Like, Wait, my dad... <laughs> yeah, my dad called me, and he was just like, you know, everyone in the Washington, D.C. is just so excited about your birthday to decide to take over the capital. So everyone was messaging me, and he was just like, hey, happy birthday, Dan. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, the news is a little bit overshadowing all of that. Weird day to have a birthday. And I'm like, yeah. You know, maybe I think of this as maybe they were just celebrating your birthday, and that's what this is all actually really about. 100%. They just wanted to get on the floor and be like, guys, guys, I know you're talking about elections. You want to certify, certify the votes, but like, can we all take a moment to appreciate Dan? <laughs> like, I think this is what's important. <laughs> uh-huh. Now, I've always wondered, just like, and this is nowhere near on the same scope, but I've always wondered what the people who were born on 9-11, how they kind of take a look at their birthday on that front. And now I kind of have a small little inkling of what that's like. So uh, we shall see in terms of how things go over the next year and how it is remembered uh, next January 6th in 2022. You know, speaking of which, just like... 2021 like i feel like we haven't made an episode in like two months i think luckily our last one was a christmas themed episodes worked out really well for us it did and we were listed in october so we were just thinking ahead of the game there yeah i know like but you know we still got like i you know my goal is always to get at least 12 episodes a year and we did i think we got like 16 so mm-hmm. that was that was good but like uh yeah it's been, it's been a while uh yeah, it's been a, been a little while i think that's you know it's been a busy year i think for both of us it ended this year definitely has and because of that we kind of talked about it and we were kind of thinking of retooling this just a little bit in terms of how we want this podcast to go. And you know what? We we both love horror movies. We both love celebrating horror movies. We're not two people who just love to complain about movies. Frankly, if the movie is terrible, we tend to enjoy it even more on that front. So we're kind of going to go ahead and talk about our movie for today, which is 1987's The Monster Squad. And we're going to kind of celebrate what it does, what we thought about it, and what we didn't like about it as well. But overall, this is kind of going to be a little quick recommendation podcast to see if you would like this movie for yourself or not. And if you've already seen it, great, you can kind of reminisce with us as well. So yeah, Monster Squad. So... Do you want to kind of dive into uh, what this movie's about, Andrew? So, yeah, so Monster Squad, it's a, uh, what is the movie released? 1987, is that when it was? That is correct. Oh my god, I'm such a good memory. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so Monster Squad, it's, it's basically like on the basic plot. Uh, it's just basically um, about a group of kids, almost like kind of Goonie style, um, whose town begins to kind of be infested with kind of classic um, universal horror monsters like Frankenstein, Dracula, uh, Wolfman, and Monster Creation Black Lagoon, and The Mummy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of about them trying to 
fight off their invasion and kind of the plan they're putting in place. And I wonder, like, because the Universal monster films, uh, that golden age was with Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff and everything like that. That was back in the 40s and 50s. And then Mm. they had the Hammer films with Dracula and Frankenstein and all of that in the 70s. So I have a feeling that this movie kind of came out... And it was intended to come out when those kids who saw the Hammer films or even the Boomers in the 40s, um, they kind of had a nostalgia for it Mm -hmm. in terms of how all these monsters kind of came into the pop culture zeitgeist. So it's a very clever kind of thing because it's not strictly horror. There are definitely a lot of really cool gore scenes, but it is whimsical honestly that's like the best way to describe it yeah i feel like it's kind of like very it's kind of more more kind of hammer inspired and more kind of um who who the guys ivan costello kind of it's i think it's more like that kind of like kind of riffing on or like you know understand that these characters nowadays are kind of more part of our modern culture than they are really kind of icons of horror Mm -hmm. like well they are they're icons of horror but not like you know true horror terror but more just kind of things that exist in our kind of cultural zeitgeist that we all kind of know oh definitely it's like it's kind of like Freddy and Jason. I feel like part of the issue about remaking those movies today is just that we know who they are, so we're not really scared of them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this was kind of a celebration of those characters, almost in the same way that Freddy vs. Jason kind of was. Yeah. I feel like. And, you know, it, it definitely is very, very obvious how much they pay homage to those classic movie villains. I mean, the scene with the little girl from the lake, they strictly parody <laughs> it later on in this uh, film to really, really funny effects, so... I really did like it. Um, who's the director, Andrew? Oh God, fuck this! You know, do you know? <laughs> did, can we can we talk about this for a moment? Yes, we can. I was, I was watching the credits fucking roll, and I was like, "You fucking kidding me!" <laughs> so, um, so so this was actually directed by Fred Decker. Um, and Fred Decker, you know, overall, I think he he ends up directing, writing pretty good things. That's going to pull up his IMDb really quickly. He does one of my actually favorite movies, um, which is Night of the Creeps. So he did that. I love that movie. It's mm-hmm. so good. Um. And he he directed um, he was one of the directors that believe for for Titan AE which is great mm-hmm. and that's kind of like that's where that's like where I kind of remember him from like Fred Decker Night of the Creeps that was always where my mind went to mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why in 2019 or 18 when they um, or 2015 I forget when they announced it when they announced that the Predator was going to be co-written um, by Fred Decker I was really excited about that um, and then but then I also heard it was going to be also co-written and directed by Shane Black, who, you know, again, was in the first Predator movie, made some great movies, but he also co-wrote this movie. So Mm -hmm. this is another collaboration by Fred Decker and Shane Black, who made the terrible Predator film of 2018. (laughs) Um, So when I saw that, I was pissed. (laughs) I did not realize that before that it was them. Quick little plug. uh, We do have an episode on the Predator. You can go back and listen to that. It is wonderful if you want to see Andrew rip into a movie. But uh, yeah, back to Monster Squad. This is, you know, kind of a whimsical uh, homage to the Hammer and Universal Classic movie monsters, but in the style of the Goonies. But there definitely is a bit of an edge to it. And there are Mm. some immensely quotable lines. So basically, the summary of the plot is we have several different kids, um, including Sean Crenshaw, who is the cool teen. He's our main character. Um, and he really doesn't have any defining personality traits aside from his dad is a cop and they're going through a separation or a divorce or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we also have Patrick, who's the skateboarder best friend. We have Horace, who is just fat kid. Um, and they keep uh, calling him fat kid over and over and over again. 
We also got Rudy, who's the older kid, who's, you know, always buys them cigarettes and smokes and that sort of thing, but it, on the ta- on the side is just trying to get some tail. Uh, we have the little, little kid who's like the eight-year-old called Eugene, and I just, I love some of his moments. And then Phoebe, who's the little sister as well, um, Sean's little sister, and they all make up the Monster Squad. And basically... How this works is Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy, they all kind of come back to life in this small town, and it's up to these kids to kind of track them down and defeat them. So yeah, overall, Andrew, what'd you think of the Monster Squad? Overall, like, see, it's one of the things, I'm a fan of it. Like, I, I remember really liking it, but I will say, for some reason, it might just be this year, I think I might have just been exhausted at this point in this year, and I think I just, like wasn't in the mood for it when i watched it because I, I remember it didn't feel as great as i remember but i will say as soon as we start talking about it again i'm immediately kind of back in my nostalgia for it mm-hmm. um so it may have just been when i watched it i was you know in the i think i was just tired from the week but uh, i think i watched it right around christmas kind of time and i was kind of you know that's always a mm-hmm. yeah a lot going on but you know i i my memories of it are always loving it so i think that that would probably be where it remains in the future but i think this time i was just you know, a little bit let down yeah. how about yourself um, I did really enjoy it. It was just kind of a fun little movie, and I, I was definitely the target audience for this front. I mean, I think it was released in 1987. That was one year um, before I was born, but at the same time, I did grow up on a lot of those monster movies from the Universal and Hammer Court of Eras, and it, it's definitely a loving homage to it at this point. And there are some endlessly quotable lines. Like, I think the best way to set the tone is during the opening scrawl, they kind of talk about the legendary battle between Dracula and Van Helsing, and they describe the MacGuffin of the amulet or whatever it was that's the only thing that can seal Dracula away, and they're talking about how Van Helsing was going to destroy the amulets, and then it says at the very, very end, so the fight came between Dracula and Van Helsing. They blew it. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I loved that line because it just, set the tone so so well um mm-hmm. yeah and there were some really cool moments too like i really like the scene where dracula is being transported back in his coffin and then the um cargo hold um opens up but dracula's just floating above it that was a <laughs> yeah. really cool scene I like i just give him that look like he pulls a little thing and dracula's like what the fuck is happening man like yeah he looks so just like really like do you have to do that <laughs> Yeah, Dracula's just toying with him the whole time. It's great. Um, Actually, wait. And little... Wait. Go ahead. Was Dracula always intending to go to that town, or because they dropped, did he go there? Um, I think he always intended, because that's where the amulet ended up, right? And that's where yeah. he was trying to find? But, like, it's weird. Like, where were they flying to if he dropped right into the middle of this town? <laughs> that's that's really convenient. You know, maybe that guy was just helping him out. That, that's what's going on. Yeah. It was all planned. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, there are some really cute moments in there. Definitely some great lines, too, um, especially the one that inspired a documentary about this movie, uh, Wolfman's Got Nards, which is wonderful. Yeah. I think I like for this movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's see. What parts of the movie can we talk about here and there? Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I thought we maybe talk about it first is the, the cast. Like, what do you think about, like, what do you think about the Monster Squad? As characters, as, like, you know. I think, like, they did a good job balancing them all. Because all of the characters, they are definitely the one-note 
character development. And in an ensemble cast like this, especially with all kids, you kind of want to keep them simple. Um, and even doubly, especially so for a movie like this, where it's just, you know, a homage. Yeah. Um, Wait, did you have any standouts? Like, who do you like the most? Who's your favorite? Who would, who do you kind of... Oh, jeez. Um, honestly, I think... Stand out... Yeah, you know who do you who do you drive the most with? Who do you? I I I, enjoy? I feel like I can kind of make an argument for most of them, except for Sean. Sean was just kind of the boring leading man sort of type. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked Eugene, the littlest member of the squad, the like eight year old, just for the moment at the ending. I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, yeah, basically there's this Chekhov's gun that's set up with him very very early on in the movie, and one of the very last scenes it pays off, and it's just it's incredible. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. How about you? I don't know. Like, it's like I. So I think it's like when when you were discussing this earlier. Like for me, a lot of the characters I kind of felt fell off a little bit towards the story. Like actually, I was surprised because I think Pat. Yeah, Patrick was set up to be kind of like when when they first kind of met him. Um, Sean was kind of the nerdy guy, and Patrick was kind of the cool character. And I thought we we're gonna like I'd been a while since I seen the movie, and I kind of remembered in my mind that Patrick was kind of like gonna be the one that we followed a little bit more because i think in those 80s movies that usually is what happens and like just in modern movies in general like the, the kind of nerdy guy is on the side like you know gives support gives information mm-hmm. and then we have our kind of male lead um but in this case like our main character sean was kind of the more like nerdy of the two of them like he had the stephen king shirt on and stuff um I and like so patrick I kind of like disappeared so dude right i forgot about that and like, i think that's like, actually a great kind of way to think about this movie this movie feels like almost like stephen king-ish in the sense that i feel like a lot of his stories are these kind of small character studies with like even the horror elements can be kind of ridiculous at times. Uh-huh. So this felt very Stephen Kingish to me in terms of like some of his earlier kind of stories, like, you know, the non it kind of ones, um, the ones that were a little bit more hokey. Um, it felt like a Stephen King movie, honestly. Yeah. Um, but it just felt like characters like Patrick, like even like Eugene, like I kept forgetting Eugene. I did. I completely forgot Eugene was in this movie to when I was remembering it. So I felt like kind of Sean, Rudy and, um, Horace were kind of the main characters that in my mind stood out and Horace more just because of, his ridiculousness kind of like uh the truffle shuffle guy from goonies that's kind of oh, like yeah. how i remembered him no it's Did the see? 80s and definitely the whole big thing for them the entire time is just he's the fat kid he's the fat kid and then he has his moment at the very very end where he gets his comeuppets but still it seems very one note like it's yeah. the 80s that's kind of how things were back then but like but i thought like but again i, th- I thought like sean like had kind of like an emotional journey with him and his father i thought like even rudy kind of developed a, a bit like as a character um Though, actually, wait, did you, I had a question. Did you interpret it as, was Rudy already kind of their friend? Or did he become their friend? And then, like, why was he, like, did, was he nice to Horace just because he was a nice guy when he saved, when he had saved from the bully in the beginning? Or was he, like... Yeah, I, d- I definitely interpreted it as they did not hang out before all the shit hit the fan in the movie. And then at that point, he kind of tagged along with them because it's kind of like a Steve Harrington sort of thing from Stranger yeah. Things. Where it, they didn't intentionally kind of get into it, but eventually he got roped into the whole thing. Okay. So, mm-hmm. How about that one line where Rudy is in the treehouse with everyone and they're discussing everything and the dog's up there and then Rudy goes, how does that dog get up here anyway? <laughs> no. That was great. Yeah, like, like this I, movie is full of lines like that. They're just very, very self-aware. The dog's in the treehouse, and they image, they take you know note of it and say, "Wait a second, how's the dog getting up here anyway?" There's a lot of little lines like that. Well, and I feel like you know we were on it around during the, the time this movie, like you know, you, you were just born. I was not born for a few years after this movie, but like I, I'm guessing that was probably like you know, I'm sure there are kids' movies like Wishbone-ish, kind of like where like things like that happen, where like 
you know, kids shows or movies where the kids are hanging out in a treehouse and the dogs are there. And like, I feel like that's probably like a play on one of those things, which uh-huh. like, I feel like this would have been even greater again if we were around that time where like everything that they're probably ragging on, we were like, you know, aware of. Yeah. Like actually, um, kind of a, in a tie into that kind of like, I feel like uh, we're watching that, that show Kim's Convenience Store on Netflix, which is like about Korean Americans and like a lot of the kind of Korean cultural jokes they make mm-hmm. i'm like laughing i'm like laughing my ass off and it's kind of like what because <laughs> like i'm just like this is exactly like i know exactly what they're talking about right now um for our experience and i feel like this movie would have been that much greater if you had that kind of context from then oh definitely one thing i also really liked about this movie is just the angle of the uh, german neighbor so he's kind of mm. set up at the very very beginning to be a creepy little german guy like uh oh shit what's what's the guy from the sandlot the neighbor from the sandlot with the ball and everything like that Oh, frick. I don't remember the name. But basically, it's like that where just all the kids in the neighborhood are scared of him because they don't know it. But he ends up being extremely instrumental and a good guy, decent in general, to help out the kids as well. Um, They did pull the angle in terms of he ends up um, being a Holocaust victim. um, Mm -hmm. And he was put into the concentration camps. And they kind of give him that angle as well, which, you know, was very interesting. Um, I felt a lot of movies in the 80s kind of did that as well. Oh, did they? Uh, yeah. Wait, so. no. I, 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 to me, it was novel, and I, I loved it. I, lo- I loved the line where he's like, you know, I'm used to fighting. I'm used to dealing with monsters. Oh, definitely. Like, that. Like, that I great. thought that was such a nice line. Like, And that's kind of like the thing where there are these moments in this movie that I thought were like really strong and really great, and that was one of them. But then like there are other moments where I'm just kind of like, all right, this is pretty basic. Like, like what? You can think of anything off the top of your head? or Yeah, well, okay. okay. And like, I think it's okay to spoil this movie's really old. I think this movie probably either seen it or know of it. And again, like regardless if you guys know what happens in this movie, it's kind of like one of those movies where it's the journey and not the destination. Like uh-huh. that That's what makes it so great. So like I, I'm comfortable following a pretty good amount of it. But like yeah. the, the ending scene. So basically, yeah, you know, the classic movie thing. Version, you need the version to do this. Yes. Uh, to And like they ended up defaulting to uh, one female, that, like one girl they thought was virgin. I'm sure she's not and kind of saw that coming. But, Steve um, doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Steve and Stranger Things is angry about that. Um, but like there's that. And then, they, you know, they end up using a little girl. But my my, my mind, I was, what I would have loved to have happened is one of them just like have one of the boys do it. Just be like, we're all virgins. Like, what? Did like, they have to say, specify it was a girl, though? Did it? I don't think it specified that because I, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that kind of to happen. Pretty I think sure they just, it did, but I could be wrong. Let me let me, uh-huh. let me see if I'm finding about that. But I I don't I don't remember it being bad. I would have loved it if like Horace or one of them like grabbed it or like if Rudy just like you know took the book and was like <laughs> all they have to say is this and, like repeated it and then it worked and then it was like oh <laughs> like uh-huh. I'd have loved that kind of like something I don't know, something that goes a little bit more beyond I think the easy kind of grab which is like oh it's it's scared little girl to do it yeah but I, I did like the heart that kind of came with it in terms of her and the um old German guy and, and yeah. the old guy yeah that was really cute yeah I was just actually about to say that that was uh really really cute just in terms of the old german guy kind of reading it with her and that was another thing too like for the whole for the whole movie but i was expecting that to happen like okay a teenage girl's not really a virgin but the uh six-year-old obviously is and she can go ahead and read it um according to imdb trivia da, 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 da. So, uh, basically, the actor who played Dracula, he couldn't wear his red contacts or fangs around the actress because she was too scared. So they had to get that Aww. in one take when she he lifted her up. Uh, That's really funny. Yeah. Aww. Oh, for the scene... Act- <laughs> Again, this is IMDb trivia. For the scene, actor director Fred Decker just told Ashley, the actress, to scream once the platform raised her. When she asked when, Decker said, oh, you'll know, and they just proceeded to shoot. <laughs> and apparently it's a genuine scream. That's that's awesome. <laughs> he went full uh 
uh, as Stanley Kubrick in The Shining there. <laughs> yep. Oh, so, you know, I'm looking at it, and apparently all it says is that it has to be a virgin. So, yeah. could have been one of the boys. Could have been one of the boys. You know, maybe if they ever remake it. I know they talked about remaking it a little while ago. Uh, I don't think they need to, but uh, that that could work. I feel like yeah. this movie would, wouldn't really work as a remake. I agree. It's a very product of its time. And the whole 80s setting, the 80s setting, just like it works for Stranger Things, kind of works for this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really can't see a contemporary version of this working as well as the Goonies because... You know, kids had a little bit more freedom back then. They could ride their bikes around, do that sort of thing. Well, at least that's the cultural perception of how it was back in the 80s. Well, and I, I feel, too, like, I I feel like the, like, like what you say kind of in the beginning, like, at this point, like, this is this is for a generation who had seen, grown up seeing those movies and stuff, but also with kind of the kid-friendly atmosphere. But, like, we those characters, while they still are part of a cultural context, they're they're kind of an older part of it now they're not like relevant anymore like mm-hmm. nowadays like even like freddie and jason aren't really like of our age anymore in the sense that like yeah they made those remakes a little while ago but like mm-hmm. they're not really present like today i think if you ha- if you want to make it it would have to be like freaking like the bye-bye man and shit and like mm-hmm. that would be dumb as fuck like <laughs> yeah it's... I, I would i would love that actually that would, i would i would love that for the, <laughs> the garbage that it would be <laughs> no it, it really is this type of campy horror movie just doesn't really exist anymore um any remake of horror movies now they have to be super gritty super realistic that sort of thing and I, i'm trying to think of like a recent campy horror movie like, I think there's been a lot of campy monster movies. Like, like there's that, like, Love and Monsters movie and stuff. And, like, and I think those are successful. But, yeah, like, I don't think... I, I think part of the issue of campy horror movies these days is, like... So, so again, like, back then, like, it was this kind of... And this I want to talk about a little bit. Um, back then, it was, like, you know, the seeing horror movies at the time back then was kind of, like, you know, you'd go see them as a flick and stuff. You'd go, like, watch them. But I don't think there was the same kind of dedicated fan base that there is today. And not that there wasn't, but necessarily that there wasn't, like, the internet wave connecting them. So I think it was a lot more introverted at that time like like the kids are nerds the kids are nerds for doing this but nowadays like a lot of kids watch horror movies and a lot of kids talk yeah. about it and the media is everywhere like almost like marvel movies are so i think it's not as much of like a fringe thing and like back then the i love stephen king shirt and like that that was like a i feel like that was like you know a stereotype obviously but like a type of kid that yeah, existed and those of... kids were outcasts but like that wouldn't really work today because like half the kids here have seen saw and stuff and all mm-hmm. those movies so it's not like it's not as like it's not it's not as fringe, so I don't think the story would work as well. I remember in high school, um, you know, I grew up as a massive, massive nerd in general, and I went through a huge anime phase back in uh, middle school. And I remember I went to high school and I joined what they called the sci-fi club, which wasn't really sci-fi in particular. It was just kind of an excuse for all the nerds of the school to get together on Friday nights and just watch movies and play video games and Dungeons and Dragons and that sort of thing. But I remember walking for the very first time as a high school freshman into this sci-fi club in the school library and someone was watching Trigon, the anime, and I was just like, holy shit, there are other people out there like that. But Mm. I grew up in an extremely small town. Um, But definitely, there was a sense of that was your identity and i agree with you and the fact that the lines are a lot more blurred nowadays it's more acceptable to like anime it's more acceptable to play dungeons and dragons all of that good stuff and it's not a huge part of people's identity anymore it's just another characteristic and aspect about it it's not all encompassing and i think something we could come back to at the end too like i, I like to you know at the end we can come back to like what you think would be like a good like fan casting of if they were to make one of these because i think that'd be kind of a fun thing to discuss um 
one thing I want to touch on, kind of tying into that, is like this idea of like, so you know, again, these kids are the self-aware, kind of fourth wall breaking kids mm-hmm. of you know in that kind of genre, and I feel like it was kind of refreshing to watch it this movie for that reason because i feel like it wasn't over the top in your face dropping a reference a minute like we like i feel like today when we have that character that character does nothing but make jokes and allusions to other films and like freaking riverdale syndrome where they're just like <laughs> like you know they just like fucking drop names everywhere of every character like look at how pop culture relevant we are let me just like drop eight different names in this conversation that don't even make any sense mm-hmm. like and it was it was kind of refreshing to see somebody who i feel like is more realistic in like patrick and them how they you know they are friends they get together to talk about these characters but then they also have normal conversations outside of them without referencing them yeah it's not the family guy style of hey remember this bam or no 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 no, i have a better reference it's like it's not like the ready player one oh my god (laughs) there you go (laughs) i know oh we can have a whole episode about that if we wanted to um but yeah no it's not just hey remember this hey remember this like uh, for example one of my favorite homages in the entire movie was the scene with the little girl by the lake with Frankenstein. In the original movie, you know, Frankenstein picks her up and drowns her in the lake, and it's a really, really sad scene. But in the Monster Squad, yeah, it kind of starts off that way. The little girl's playing with flowers by the lake. She sees the monster, but ends up making friends with him. And the monster becomes a critical part of the plot later on in the movie for the last third. And I thought that was, you know, a good little transition, playing homage, yeah. but still kind of making it its own thing. Well, I think it was not, not only was good homage, but it was also like, you know, good for people who've seen that movie. It's a good tension building thing because we don't yeah. see what happens with them. So you see that and your mind goes to where you know that happens. You know that he was sent there to kill them. And you know that in the original story, he accidentally kills a little girl. So mm-hmm. that was a great like way to kind of build tension in a movie that didn't have a lot but also kind of as a thing for like because you know at that point their people were killed like the police officer gets blown up at one point like oh yeah the stakes were there where that girl could have died my question for so, you i thought that was good is yeah. this a kid's movie yes yeah uh, yeah mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's a kid's movie in the same way that like like partly just for the time like it just like i think again i think that what kids movies are today are different from what kids were movies back were then and i think like this is a great, like, Gremlins kids movie. Like, this is a great PG-13, like, what a PG-13 movie should be. But, yeah, I think it's I think it definitely, it's definitely a kids movie. But, like, in a sense, it's also an adults movie. It's an accessible movie. I think it's a kids movie, but it's designed for adults. Like, yeah. it, the target audience is not kids, personally. I don't think so. I think it's definitely, like I said, the people who grew up on the monster movies of, uh, you know, Hammer and Universal and... Yeah, and then I also think, too, definitely, you know, the kids, it's got a little bit more edge to it than your typical kids movie. It's like in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies where they say damn and all the kids were just like, oh, shit, they swore, that sort of thing. It it, it definitely has some bite. Hmm. Well, I think that's also like, so the next thing I was, if if you're ready to move on to is talking about the villains or the quote unquote villains, because Uh I think one thing I found really interesting is they didn't give like, you know, they give a little bit of context to Dracula's. But they didn't give any context to any of the other characters. They're like, hey, this guy just appeared out of the bottom of a lake. Yeah. He's our friend. Hey, this guy <laughs> turned into a wolf. Boom. Hey, uh, this guy, we, we opened this box and there's a guy in here who's like a zombie kind of guy. Like, <laughs> And this mommy just disappeared from this uh, exhibit. Like, There's no context to who these characters were necessarily, which again is kind of pushing towards this idea that this is why these movies are kind of successful or this at this time because like these characters were so relevant they didn't feel the need to explain them. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like you think about like these like the Marvel movies like they're they're building like this universe where they're like separate individual movie individual movies so we can put this character into it and like we're building up a background and stuff and like this movie's like nah fuck it we're just gonna <laughs> toss them all in there 
and like but the good news is we're not going to explain that we're not going to waste time doing everyone's backstory and doing this whole rush thing we're going to throw them in you get like this is a fish guy that's all i need to know yep. this is a mummy that's all i need to know and i feel like it works really well and, I, and again partly just because the characters are so well known but like you know i think with the spider-man movies and with um suicide squad and stuff like when you do an ensemble cast that you just kind of toss, toss them in there and you spend so much time trying to explain them Mm-hmm. that's when it kind of gets bogged down. I think this, the fact that this movie didn't do that is just a really wise choice. Yeah, and honestly, I can't think of any other characters that lead, need less introduction than a lot of these movie monsters. Yeah. Uh, well, like, and well, actually, what did you think about, like, kind of their role? Like, you know, you can focus on one, do that, but, like, like, what do you think about their role in this movie? Like, the 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 villains. Like, what do, what do you think about them in general? I mean, they serve their purpose, definitely. The only one that kind of got any sort of character development was Frankenstein itself, which I did really enjoy, but they were definitely very one-note villains. They were not the primary focus. It was just like, yeah, this is Dracula. This is who, you know who he is. You know what he can do. You know what his weaknesses are, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like, you know, they they there was the whole montage scene where we saw them sharpening snake, uh, steaks in woodshop with... Uh, you know, the grinder and everything like that, so. Yeah. Well, and, and that's kind of what made me, again, think it's more of a kid's movie, because in, in the sense that, like, there was no real, like, the story development was so bland, and that's what makes you think it's a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Dracula's plan and, like, the Wolfman and stuff, like, I feel like for adults' movie, that would have needed to be more explained. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that kind of is what made me lean more towards kid's movie. Because, like, thinking about it, like, we know who Dracula is, but imagine not knowing who Dracula is and watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Imagine, imagine like being taken completely out of the context of these films and just watching this movie. I feel like it'd be re- like, like again, I think it's a great camp for us, but I think it'd be really bad <laughs> because I think you'd just be like, all right, all right. So these guys go to get this guy in his castle. Zombies appear, portal opens, boom, they're gone. He's back. He floats in the air. He turns into a bat. Okay, finds a box. His guy in it. Thing comes out of the water. Mommy escapes. This guy turns into a werewolf for some reason. Like all this stuff would just be like so confusing. Like actually, I think it would be amazing to watch that movie. <laughs> like I think it, would, it might be kind of similar to Wonder Woman 1984. Like we're just like you just don't know what's going on. <laughs> You're just like okay. Um, but I think that like that to me, I think that's where my my mind like where my criticism came from in my mind, where I was just like, oh man, like I wish we'd gone a little to know a little bit more about like uh, about like Fishman. Like apparently, we keep it, like people are saying he's not a creature from Black Black Moon. He has a different name, but I'm like, but that's that's who he is, though, right? Like, like I feel like there are all these things where like I'm just kind of like, but that like that's like why why are they following Dracula? Why like why why did Mommy wake up at that time to go follow Dracula? Why did Frankenstein follow Dracula? Like why is he his master? Like they imply that they have a relationship in the past, but then what happened that separated them out? Like it's kind of my they did this like, just to hide for those thousand years or whatever to then try this again. They're like all right, guys, like. Shit's bad for us. With this Second time's a charm. Around. Yeah, <laughs> like I, that's that that's kind of like where my questions come in. But again, like it's, I shouldn't I shouldn't be thinking about that when I'm watching this movie. <laughs> so it works. <laughs> Definitely. All right then. Uh, so let's say we have a remake and yeah. they have to recast. Who would each of the roles be? Um, Eugene or not Eugene, uh, Rudy, definitely the high school guy uh, played by Steve Harrington, whatever his actor's name is. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Who would play Sean? Who See, would play Patrick? Who would play Horse? Well, I don't know. Do you think that you think they should be known characters? Do you think they should be unknowns? I mean, it's going to be mostly kid actors. So I like, definitely I, think unknowns would be better. I feel like we could just like you know take the cast of it and toss them in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel like, all right, yeah, guys, like, you know, you're a little old now, but like, boom, there you go. Like, I feel like that's kind of like a one-to-one. Like, I feel like 
you know, like even the fat kid, like they got like honestly, I would say ditch Horace's character. I think Horace doesn't need to be in that film. Yeah, I he doesn't really do anything. Well, he, doesn't think, he kick uh, Wolfman in the Nards? He he does kick Wolfman in the Nards. But I think you could replace that with anybody else. <laughs> I would I would say like replace him just because I think the fat kid joke's kind of dead. Yes, definitely. And I think that like his character like could be anything else. I think that like he could actually use more development. So maybe like I don't know. Maybe, maybe like you know take a you know take a what do you call it? Take somebody else. Take the kids from the trainer things. I don't know, put them in there. Like I feel like just any competent actors would work. Like. Yeah. I think when I'm, when I'm thinking more of casting in terms of like a remake, I'm thinking more what would we do if we did a modern remake and we had to recast the villains? Because I think mm-hmm. the kids are, are inconsequential to a degree. I think the kids yeah. can be right whoever they are. But if we were to remake this today, I don't think it would work at all with, like the kind of we said, like with the modern characters. Like there have been remakes and maybe, you know, if this universal monster thing ever kicks off. The uh, dark universe. Cool. Yeah, but, which is not. And that's the other thing too, is just uh, the public perception of monsters from this era are just, they're not the fun movies they were before. Like we have a whole generation that has no idea Abbott and Costello meet the mummy exist. And the only thing they've seen in terms of Dracula have been, you know, Dracula untold or just the hard, dark Dracula movies. Yeah. And Frankenstein. And Castlevania. Well, I think doesn't, Oh God, Castlevania. That's actually really good. But, um, but I think that like just nowadays, like I don't think they're there. Those characters really work. Like, and I think even like with the modern recreations, it's kind of sad because it's almost like killing off those characters, like like the Invisible uh, Man we talked about before. Like I think like that mm-hmm. was kind of like yeah, it was it was Invisible Man by name, but it wasn't really Invisible Man. Uh, though actually, not gonna lie, Monster Squad with Elizabeth Moss running around <laughs> in the little suit would be amazing. I would watch the crap out of that. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be really great. Um, but like yeah, because I, I feel like nowadays like the the modern horror movies are like paranormal activity and stuff, and those are kind of where things are coming from. Like if you look at like all the Blumhouse films, which mm-hmm. you know they're they're doing Halloween and stuff, but like. I feel like that's what we need to see. We need to see like a Freddy versus Jason, but of all these kind of characters. Mm-hmm. There actually was uh, Max Landis did a great um, kind of mini discussion. I think on something called Hellbound. I think is what he called it, and it was like a team up story of um, Jason, Freddy, and uh, who was I forget who the main guy was. I think it was a ma- then there's this random guy, and they all kind of go into hell together. Um, and then they end up meeting like Pinhead, and I think they end up like saving Chucky from like his hell to kind of go do this thing. It was actually, it's a great, if you're like search on YouTube and find it, it's him pitching this movie, which is almost, which is basically like all the characters kind of teaming up in a campy way. Mm-hmm. And like, but it makes sense. They kind of um, bring in the cult of the thorn from Halloween. And I think that would be like, that would be kind of what a modern version of this movie would be because it's, it's long enough way that kids know these characters roughly so they could kind of be fun and the adults would know them for like the, you know, nostalgia factor. So I feel like that's what, that's, those would be the, those would be the villains we need. And I think, again, making Freddy or, P- or Pinhead kind of the, the Dracula-like character would make a lot of sense mm. because they are kind of the smarter of the characters. I honestly think making Pinhead would be the greatest because he is kind of the, you know, leader of hell to a degree, the Cenobites. And they could, you know, they could easily kind of make some contrived reason for why Freddy and Jason and Michael, people who died previously, need to come and join them. Yeah, definitely. And he's, you know, the manipulator out all of us where Freddy and Jason are just kind of one note. Freddy just enjoys killing and Jason yeah. does too. J- Jason... I wouldn't say Jason enjoys killing, though he definitely does. He's just kind of driven to do it. It's like a base innate thing for him. See, this uh-huh. is what I need to do. And because they're not monster movies, here's the new rebrand, Slasher Squad. Mm-hmm. And it's all about slashers from the 80s. <laughs> that That's that's what it's going to be, right? So, like, whoever owns the rights to those movies, I think, does Paramount still own them? No, wait, Platinum Dunes. And Platinum Dunes is owned by, uh, I forget what's his name, Michael Bay. So, Platinum Dunes, do it. 
I don't know if he still owns them anymore. He may have, they may have like lapsed. Got him in a movie in like ten years, but that's that's what I want. That's what I want. That's that that to me that would be the Monster Squad. It'd be the Slasher <laughs> Squad. It would be all that. It'd be a bunch of kids who are like probably a little bit morbid because of the, the genre of those films. Um, and that that would be it. That's a, and they, and they know that even like if they want to be a kind of a modern day thing. Like I will say the Slasher genre like well known well known again because par- like the paranormal thing is the uh the thing these days that could be kind of the contrast of the film is them like that would be their kind of separation is going into those kind of those movies that mm-hmm. yeah that's that's my plot that's my movie definitely all right sounds good so would you recommend watching the monster squad or who would you recommend watching the monster squad to i feel like anybody who's into camp like even if even if you're not familiar with these characters really well like i think just anybody who likes camp like any like anybody who kind of watched the first stephen king's first part of it and enjoyed it Mm-hmm. I think we love it. Like it's it's like it's it's great nostalgic fun, and I think that's kind of where it shines. Like I think that you know if you were like me and I, like you know and you're kind of tired and you're watching it, I wouldn't put it on as like a enjoy like as like a thought provoking movie, but just as like a fun Halloween time movie, it's perfect. Oh, definitely, hundred percent, especially with all the eighties nostalgia with Stranger Things and everything going on. I I think it's a really good movie for that. It's fun. It's a very, very fun movie with a little bit of edge, a little bit of bite to it, and uh, I want that Stephen King rules for sure. Yes. Wait, actually, wait, question. Was um, Van Helsing kind of a sequ- like kind of like a remake of this? <laughs> I guess I guess not. Like, Van Helsing would be would be the first part of this movie in the remake. So if they remade this movie, just big, yo, uh, Hugh Jackman's Van Helsing, that was the first part of this. That was the opening to this movie. <laughs> and then <laughs> hop forward in time. <laughs> so that's the only time I've really seen this I feel like yeah definitely together. yeah 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 alright cool alright anything else you want to add to the Monster Squad no I, I haven't seen that have you seen the documentary I think we discussed this earlier I have not seen the Wolfman's Gotten I have not seen Wolfman's Gotten okay because I, I really want I wanted to wait my goal is to watch after watching this so I can kind of remember things from it but I uh, didn't have the time but I, I do want to check that out really bad I think it's on it's on Amazon Prime for free I believe Oh, nice. So, mm-hmm. you know, if anybody who, is, who likes this movie and, you know, scared about the documentary, I think it's there for free. And uh, we just found out you can watch this movie for free on um, IMDb TV and something else, Dan, you found it? Uh, crackle. Yes, crackle. it's there available on Crackle. What the hell is Crackle? That's the I have no idea what the hell Crackle is, but I searched Monster Squad streaming and it was the first result. And then you can also rent it from Amazon Prime and all their usual suspects. So. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. All right, cool. Sounds good. So uh, thank you all so much for listening as we are kind of testing out this new format and seeing how it's working. Once again, I have been Screwhead Dan. And I've been Andrew. And thank you again to our um, title song, which is Horror Movie Story by the band Teddy's Atlas. You can get them off the album Children of the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. And you can follow them on uh, Instagram if you want. Not Instagram. What's that thing that we have? Not Instagram, the other one. You know, Facebook. one that. No. Twitter. Yes, probably. I'll Parler. say that one. No, no fucking. Not what's what's the, what's the <laughs> other one? The, the God, I am like dying today. What's the one that we follow people? Instagram. There we go. Did I say yeah, that? I probably did. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but they've actually been putting songs. I think it's on Instagram, or Facebook. I've been like they've been putting out uh, singles and stuff, and that's they're actually they're great. I've been listening to everything pop up. Like check it out. Yeah, definitely. No, they're on um, Facebook as well, and they've been posting stuff too. So yeah, definitely check them out. Pretty good. All right, thank you all so much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.